Welcome to this week 15 edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points, where we review the state semifinals and preview the state finals this week. I, of course, am Bruce Monin, your host, recording from the home studio in Minster, Ohio. Very shortly checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the undefeated, now 5-0 Cincinnati Bearcat basketball team. We won't talk about that football team. <laughs> We're a basketball school now, as Rebecca would say. Our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Mana, will be joining us shortly. But to start with, I'd like to introduce our guest this week. One of our traditions is during the state championship preview show, we like to bring in a state championship coach, because who else would know about this more? This year, we are graciously joined by Delphi St. John's head coach and athletic director, Todd Schulte. Welcome, Todd. Uh, thanks for having me on today, Bruce. You say that uh, state championship coaches know, uh, got a little information on this preview. I guess we're about to find out, aren't we? <laughs> I guess so. Now, another of our traditions is, as always, we like our guests to tell us about the highlights of their playing and coaching careers, if any. Let's start with yours, Todd. Back in high school, Delphi St. John's, I picture you as that guy that ran for 233 yards against Minster in the game in 1991. <laughs> You had some pretty good teams at Delphus in that four-year career you had there. Yeah, no doubt. And, yeah, I was going to say that that is probably my highlight game of my uh, high school career versus Minster. And, and again, that that was the time where in our weight room, you know, one of our slogans in there said, just said, did you beat Minster today? So, you know, when you can have those big games against, you know, what we considered at that time, they, you know, they were the top of the top of the mountain um, in our league with all the success that they were, were having. So I would say that's probably one of my bigger highlights in my high school career, obviously. And then I kind of lost track of you. Did you do any playing of any type in college? Yeah, yeah, ended up going to Hillsdale College, followed my older brother up there, Scott, who had an outstanding career there. And I played uh, fullback tailback up there. And uh, I, I think sometimes as more of a glorified guard in a three-point stance, about four yards behind the ball than I was uh, the ball carrier that I was in high school. But it, it was a great experience, and uh, you know I would I wouldn't give it up for anything. It was just the uh, experiences I had, the guys I met, the places we went. That was a pretty cool deal uh, for a college student. And then I see that you started your head coaching career at Delphi St. John's in 1999. That gave you what about only two three years after you were out of college when that started. Yeah, my my first year out of college, I went. I was an assistant coach at Ayersville under Craig McCord. Who Craig was a longtime football coach there. I think he, at that time when I was there, he was the only coach they ever had. He started the program in the, uh, I think, his early seventies, uh, and he was their head girls basketball coach. So learned a lot my first year under Coach McCord, and then. Uh, you know, the St. John's job came open when Vic Whiting decided to to leave. And I thought I'd just put my name in to see if I could get some good experience uh, with interviews. Um, and lo and behold, here I am still in Delphi St. John's. And we noted you were a state championship coach. Your first one was that first year. Of course, part of that, you inherited quite a good squad. But after that, you came back and won three more later. Uh, what is it, 99, 2005, 2008, 2010. So you had quite a run there. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you know, coming into a situation that was well established by, by Coach Whiting, uh, you know, my, my whole thing that first couple of years is just don't screw anything up. The whole staff stayed on. That was one of the things that when I was offered the job, I asked our staff, the staff that was here, if you guys stay, I'll take the job. If not, 
I'm not, I'm not ready to be a head coach all by myself and um, had some great guys to learn from there in those first couple of years. And, you know, we just, uh, I, I think we kept the program moving in the right direction. And I think I hear that a lot from coaches and I think like, those guys don't get enough credit, but every successful school has all kinds of people who are unpaid or barely paid assistants who have been there for 20, 30 years and just really know what they're doing, but have no desire to go anywhere but their hometown. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and our coaching staff here at St. John's has traditionally been made up of St. John's graduates that are still here in town that, you know, they don't work in the education system and, you know, they want to be a part of uh, of the football program. And that's pretty much the large part of our our staff now. But um, yeah, our, our staff, we never have a whole lot of turnover. And, you know, I was reading a little bit of an article that uh, they did on Marion Locals, Coach Goodwin and his staff, just the, the guys, the, the consistency. I think that's key. And, and you know, uh, this day and age, you see so much turnover, not only at the head coaching position, but every level, all coaches, it's just they're, you know, there for one, two years, and then they're moving on to something else. So I think that consistency we've had at St. John's has been a big, big, big part of our success over the years as well. Now, what I find a little bit interesting on a personal level is I noted you're also the athletic director with you know, St. John's being a being in Division 7 to begin with, but actually a small school in Division 7. There's probably a lot of double duty among coaching people, administrative people, et cetera. I would think you can't get a lot of athletic directoring done during football season. You must have someone helping you out quite a bit there. Yeah, we, we do have an assistant here. I have an assistant that takes care of, you know, through the fall, all, all the activities that take place in the evening. Now, the day-to-day stuff, I still handle that. And if I can't get it done here from 8 to 3, it gets done at home after football practice. So, you know, that's just, that's just part of it. You know, and I guess it's another, you know, at, at a small Catholic school, you, you try, I guess you, not uh, do you try to wear many hats you're asked to wear many hats and that's that's how we survive and that's that's part of it and it's I've done enough years now that I got it pretty well I'm not going to say mastered but I I think I know what I'm doing from day to day (laughs) and I saw the name of your assistant athletic director online and that was a very familiar name to me and Elware Aaron maybe yeah did he play the same time as you or is he just after he he is he's younger than I am, so he would have been on that our first state championship team. So he he was the quarterback, and that would have been his senior year. So I came back here to coach two years after he graduated. Okay. Before we get into this week's games, I had one last question, but before I do that, we'll welcome Rebecca to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing? I, I'm good. How are you? Just fine. We decided to totally skip over any mention of the football of the UC football team this week, other than to mention that we're not going to mention them. <laughs> okay, probably smart. Yeah, <laughs> we're a basketball team after all. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Coach, I was just going to ask you. There was some talk this year about the Northwest Conference came calling on Delta St. John's and Parkway, asking if you were interested. I actually saw a presentation that was put together for the community to consider and to give their input on, and then saw that everyone, that the decision was made to stay in the MAC. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Was that a, how enticing the offer was? Well, yeah, you know, as, as administration here, we, you know, once we were invited to the Northwest Conference, we, we, we thought it was our due, you know, we need to do our due diligence and see, is, is there a better situation for our student athletes? Not, not, 
not that we were saying a better conference or, or anything like that. Yeah, it's just, is, is there something that maybe fits us a, a little bit better? Um, you know, we're not as big as we used to be, you know, and, and some of the sport as the athletic director got to look at the big, the big picture, not just, oh, I'm also the football coach and just look at it from that direction. So, and we tried to take all sports into to consideration and see exactly is there possibly a better fit for our for our student athletes you know I, I i might be a little biased but i think our student athletes they work extremely hard um at, at their sports and at the end of the day is there a better way to reward them for the work that they're doing is maybe putting ourselves um in a league that might suit our athletes a little bit better and i guess that was the main consideration but, you know, also we know we're in a really good situation and a great conference with great stability in the Midwest Athletic Conference. So at the end of the day, when when, uh, you know, the rubber had to meet the road, you know, the decision was based on to stay in the MAC because of, you know, what it's known for. It's got great reputation, not just not just all the wins and the championships, but uh, the people that are within our league, too. You know, I think the people, the coaches in our leagues get great respect, you know, all around the state of Ohio, because it's, they're, they're good people, you know, and, and e- even though, you know, we're, we're the only Catholic school in our league, I, I would have to say that most, a lot of our schools in our conference are pretty close to who we are as, as people as well. And our, you know, and our values and our beliefs and our faith. So, you know, that also played into it as well. I remember, and here's an example that I take advantage of often. You can use statistics to uh, argue whichever way you want. One of the big things I saw argued was that you would be saving a lot of mileage, a lot of time on buses, a lot of fuel expense. But on the other hand, you could argue if you're playing MAC teams in conference, you're probably playing most of those Northwest conference teams out of conference in many sports. And if you switch, you'd probably play most of those MAC teams as you're out of conference, right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, And and I'll be real honest, as as the football coach that's on the bus taking all those 45, 50 to hour trips going 10 minutes down the road was, was kind of appealing. But again, you know, that, that we weren't going to let that be our deciding factor. Obviously, it's it's too big of a decision just to base it on mileage and maybe the little bit of money that we get to save. So uh, and, you, and you're right. You can look at it the other way, too, as we, we probably would have been making some of those long trips anyway, you know, if we made the move. Yeah, we'll defer to Rebecca on that as a band member. She is our expert on not liking long bus rides. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since i've had to do one but they were not the highlight of the experience I, I i agree it's the bus ride home is good when you're win, but man when, when you take one on the chin that, that 50 minutes seems like a whole lot longer than that so well i think the less Minster related band. not not high we'll school but i was in the college band for cincinnati as well and we did a uh a trip to nashville for the ncaa tournament one year and um Lost in, I don't know, the second round, but we thought we, we we had a shot for a second and then had to drive home from Nashville <laughs> at like 11 p.m. midnight all the way back to Cincinnati. I think that was like a four-hour drive. It was not a good trip to come back from. But at least when you were at Minster, Rebecca, the Minster band basically went undefeated every year, right? I don't know how you qualify that. Um, we were undefeated <laughs> in that we never competed in anything. And we were often the largest one, but you always put on a we better weren't... show than the other team's band, right? That's because we changed it every week and we never bothered to <laughs> memorize our music. So it was right there in front of us. 
And because I was the one doing the judging, it might have something to do with it. Oh, too. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we played better, but we did have new music. So anyway, before we start with the state championships here, let's do a quick review of last week. We had eight games we were selecting. Our guest last week, Eric Weller, acquitted himself fairly well. He went five and three, 63%. Not too shabby. Our my updated through the season Harbin's computer points, which won the week the week before, went six and two this week, only 75%, which proves my point. Never go along with whatever won it last week when picking the next week. <laughs> the uh Cal Preps computer went seven and one. That's pretty impressive. And for a change, I went seven and one. <laughs> Unbelievable, I tell you. Makes you think, how good did Rebecca do? How good did I do? Seven and one again. You had one loss. All right, all right. I'll take it. <laughs> and of course, our good friend Drew Pasteur and his computer went eight and oh. Oh, just can't beat nice. Drew Pasteur, can we? <laughs> so. What's our summary? How did that happen? Well, Eric and I both lost our early upset pick of Salina over Bishop Watterson. Thought they had it, though. They were ahead early. Thought they had a shot then. Oh, well. Let's see. Rebecca, you lost yours going with your friends at Columbus Grove and hoping for more toilet paper celebrations down on the square there. Bound to happen. (laughs) Eric also lost his final pick when he picked Caldwell over Dalton. We thought he was in trouble with that. I think that was a desperation toss on his part. (laughs) By the way, we all got several games correct. The Toledo Central Catholic win, the Perry win, the Marion Local win, and we all got Liberty Center right, but it was close. Only 14 to 10 comeback victory. So a little nail biter there for Liberty Center. So far, scores of the week. We'll highlight just a few games from last week around the state. My favorite one, and we'll get the coach to comment on this one. Springfield beat Moeller 26 to 19 in overtime in Division One. Hmm. Springfield was up 13 to 12 with a little over two minutes left in regulation. I'm following along online, and people are going, I think they can kneel it out and use up all the clock. It's close. you know. By the time they undo the pile and then start the clock, it looks like they can run it out. But instead, Springfield ran a play, and the Molar C miraculously parted, and the guy charged into the end zone for an uncontested touchdown. To make it 19-12, to 12, Springfield went for a two-point conversion and missed it. So they were still only ahead by seven. Moeller got the kickoff back and then drove down the field to score the tying touchdown to send the game into overtime. But then in the end, Springfield was able to score in overtime. Moeller was not, and Springfield still got the win. So I don't know if you heard anything about that game, Todd, or not, or if you have any, you ever do any work on when you can start taking these, or is that kind of a thing you dream up on the field when the time comes? Actually, I've always had a guy up in the box, and, and that was his job. That make sure, okay, can we start? Can we start and taking knees? And, and and are we going to make it to the? You know, are we going to get there? And there's always a math guy, so he was pretty always pretty quick at saying, "Yep, you can do it," or "You can't do it." So that was always a benefit. Now, you know, so that that's kind of how we tried to handle it. I I was I'm not a math guy, and I'm not going to 
try to sit there and count on my fingers and everything else if we can get there or not. So I, I, I let the smart people handle that and tell me what we're going to do. So, yeah, we always we always try to be very sure where we're at when we're at the end of the game. With that. So being a math guy, I found that whole thing very intriguing at the time, <laughs> trying to figure that out. as they're, But meanwhile, as they're trying to figure out, the Springfield coach is trying to send a play in. He can't just sit there and wait until they until the until the math gets done. So absolutely. Yeah. They they need to get a math guy in the box, and that's what they need. All right. Well, Springfield survives it anyway. They move on to the state championship for the third straight year in a row. And we'll talk about that more later. Another interesting game, Archbishop Hoban, who's been a really dominant team in Division II for years now. They were looking to be in trouble. They were down 14 to 3 to Avon. I think this was in the late third quarter at the time. I saw fans online proclaiming that Hoban was dead already. They'd given up. Wrong again. Hoban scores two touchdowns late and wins 17-14. And their next opponent's going to be Massillon, who was sort of an, an unexpected game in the other direction. They dominated Cincinnati Anderson 55-7. to There's a score for a state semifinal game, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Speaking of which, we have one other state semifinal game like that. Archbishop Alder out of Kettering beat Steubenville 48 to nothing. Steubenville, that's another of those teams that have been good for as long as I can remember. Shocked to see them go down by 48 points to Alder. But that's what you get sometimes in the state semifinals. You bring teams from different parts of the state together and you don't know where the better football is being played that year. And surprises happen that week. So moving on to this week's state championship games, Rebecca, we're swapping the order a little bit. We're going to do them in Why the order. Why would we do that? that? We're going to do them in the order they are played. All right. Okay. This so, sounds like it's got a lot of potential for confusion. Not really. On our There's part. Seven, okay, maybe. There's seven games. They're all played at different times. No reason to do them by order of big schools to small. Let's do them in the order they're played here. Okay. All right. And Rebecca, you might have to go to work here. I went slightly overboard on my uh, <laughs> preparation for this. You might have to cut me off if I'm going too long. Oh, boy. <laughs> not the best at stopping you from rambling, just inserting my own rambles. <laughs> well, trust me, sometimes that's needed. And this may be <laughs> one of those weeks. Okay, we're going to start with the Division II state championship game. One I always kind of like because I have nothing else going on on Thursday night at 7 o'clock usually. And this is actually one I find highly intriguing. We have we have undefeated Maslin Washington, 15-0, playing against uh, Archbishop Hoban out of Akron, who's 13-1, both with, both with the top seeds in their regions. Maslin's always intriguing because... Their fans are rather proud of the fact that they have like 24 state championships. And all the people that aren't Maslin fans are rather proud of the fact they've never won one in the playoffs. And boy, do those two groups let each other know about it. So whenever <laughs> Maslin gets close, close to a playoff state title, things get interesting. Can you clarify that? What do you mean they've never won one in the playoffs? The playoffs started in 1972. All of Maslin state championships are by the oh. being voted on by the polls at before 1972. Okay. Interesting. Yes. And they've been close, as we'll, as we'll get to in a second here. Maslin has a 10% advantage in computer points right now. I believe this is the only state championship game where the two teams have a common opponent. Maslin had their 
only victory by a single digit was a 15 to 13 win in week five over D1 finalist Lakewood St. Edward. Every other masculine win has been by 10 points or more. Hoban's only loss was to St. Edward, 14 to 7 in week 10. Last week's undefeated Fantastic 50 computer says Maslin is a nine-point favorite. Calpreps.com says Maslin is a four-point favorite. Now, Maslin has the most state title appearances without a championship in the state. They are 0-6 in state championship games. Their coach, Nate Moore, is an old coach at Minster, so we know him well. He would become the longest-serving coach in Maslin history if he returns next year. That makes him longer than Paul Brown, the man who founded the Bengals and coached the Browns, was at Maslin for nine years. Coach Moore's finishing his ninth year. Could set the record at Maslin if he comes back next year. Considering they're in the state championship game, I would think he, he would be invited back. Probably got good chances, yeah. You would think so. Let's see. Hoban is the two-time defending state runner-up. They are 5-2 and two all-time in title games, and they are one of only five schools to have won at least four championships in a row in their history. Just looking at things this year, Maslin has won five playoff games by an average of 35 points. Three running clocks they've put on their opponents in the playoffs so far. So they've been having a good run to the postseason here. And both teams have actually played four out-of-state opponents this year. No one in-state wants to play either of these two teams if they can help it. You weren't joking about going deep on the on the facts here. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Part I didn't go deep on was making my pick ahead of time. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's only seven games. How did you not do it? I don't know. <laughs> I got busy. I got a new electric lawnmower today I was playing with. So, you Ooh, know, exciting. Couldn't get it to work for a while. Then I went out and did the same thing that didn't work before, and it worked the second time. So that's how engineers fix things. Just try the same thing over again until it works, right? Sure. I do have to ask if it was charged when you did it. Absolutely. Fully charged. All right. It was working fine. It just wasn't cutting grass, you know, the thing it's supposed to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, who's your pick for Division Two, Dad? That gives that gives me enough time to think it over, and I'm going to say Maslin breaks the curse. Coach Moore gets Maslin's first ever playoff championship. That'll be my pick for this year. I think I have Coach, to agree you, with you. All right, I'm jumping Coach, in. Do you want to go second? Yeah, we're going to have you go second all this time because Rebecca's given less thought to these ahead of time than I have, so she. Needs I a little, barely give thought to them in the podcast. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy, right? <laughs> well, I, well, sometimes I, silence I, is the best policy, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't include that bit. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Masson. I agree too. I think Coach Moore gets it done with uh, breaking the streak here, and since he's got a little bit of uh, Mac ties to him, I'm gonna pull for him. I'll I'll sit in my designated spot and also pick Masson. I think the. Uh, the point differential says a lot for me, and it's hard to say no to a, a team that's been winning by 30-plus points over a team that's been winning by single digits. There you go. Moving on to Division Six, You'll notice Division Six, Division Seven usually gets stuck in that 10.30 a.m. game. Mm. And since that's where MAC teams usually play, that means fans getting up and getting on the road at about 6 in the morning to get to the stadium <laughs> in time for the game. <laughs> So, the Division Six game, Friday at 10.30 a.m., features 
Kirtland, 14 and 1 on the season against Versailles, 13 and 2. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of been eyeing this one since our preview show before the season started, Rebecca. So mm-hmm. let's see what the notes say here. I show Kirtland with 23% more computer points. The Fantastic 50 computer likes for sales by two. That's tight. That Cal is Prep- tight. Cal Preps is a bigger fan. They like for sales by six. Kirtland, two-time defending runner-up, and they are in their seventh consecutive title game. They are six and five all times in these, in these title games. Kirtland is three and five against MAC teams. They're 0-1 against Versailles, 0-1 versus Minster, 1-1 versus Coldwater, and 2-2 versus Marion Local. 3-0 versus non-MAC teams. So they'd have rather not seen Versailles here, I think. They were probably rooting for Valley View last week. Versailles, 7-3 all-time in title games. And they actually beat Kirtland 20-16 just two years ago in the Division 5 title game. So both teams have moved down a division since then. Uh, looking at Kirtland's schedule, I think it shows you the value of having a tough schedule. They played two other teams who are in state title games this weekend. They beat 13-1 and Division 7 Dalton, and they lost to 15-0 and Division 5 Perry this year. So they are definitely battle-tested, as Gary Raspberry would say, right? <laughs> uh, Versailles, two losses to 15-0 and Division 7 Marion Local who's still playing, and to 12-2 and two, Division 5 Coldwater. That'd be two good games. We're going to see Marion Local versus Dalton. Perry versus Coldwater would be a good game, too, actually, in Division 5. And one last thing I have on my list, Versailles has given up 13 or 14 points six times this year to teams with a combined record of 65 and 19. So my bet is Kirtland scores 13 or 14 points this week. The question is, how many does Versailles score? And Kirtland has seven shutouts this year, including their last two games. So after all that, that tells me nothing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that tells me it's going to be a close game is what all that tells me. Yeah, it tells us what we knew already. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got MAC team versus, we like to say, honorary MAC team. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm still not happy with the fact I can't get fried rolls at the Versailles sweet <laughs> shop, but I'm picking Versailles anyway. <laughs> okay. What's your thoughts, Coach? Well, I'm I'm going to stick with Versailles in a low-scoring game. I, I just think Versailles is going to have the best athlete on the field with their quarterback, so uh, I'm banking on him to carry the load for Versailles. Yeah, that Michael Osborne's a heck of a player, isn't he? Yeah, when you're when you're the offensive player in our league, it says something. Rebecca's still thinking. I, like I need to be the I need to be the odd one out here and stand up for my Kirkland peeps. I think it's time Where? for them to go one and one with Versailles. Get that win, even out the schedule. Seems to be their trend. Also, like seven shutouts is a lot. That's some pretty yes, hefty defense over there. And to be honest, you rarely go wrong picking Kirkland. Yeah. You also rarely go wrong picking for sales. So. <laughs> <laughs> potato, potato here. Yeah. That tends to happen in state championship games, Rebecca. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Well, after that one wraps up, unless it goes into a lot of overtimes, then there might be a schedule change. But the next game will be Friday at 3 o'clock. 
we have in Division Three, Toledo Central Catholic, 14-0 against Columbus Bishop Watterson, 14-1. Toledo Central Catholic has 8% more computer points, but the two computers love Toledo Central Catholic. Fantastic 50 has them by 23 points, Cal Preps by 17. Toledo Central Catholic is actually the defending Division II state champion. They moved down a division this year. They are 4-1 and one all-time in title games. And a fact I scrounged up somewhere, historically, teams that drop a division are 5-2 and two in state title games the next year, makes sense. which kind of makes sense. Bishop Watterson, 2-3 and three all-time in championship games. Looking at their schedules, Toledo Central Catholic so hard to judge. They played five Michigan schools during the season. Although one of them, Warren De La Salle, who they defeated, is still playing. Or no, excuse me, they just lost their state championship game last weekend. So they played some good Michigan teams. Toledo Central Catholic has also averaged 40 points a game both in the regular season and in the playoffs. So their playoff competition has not slowed them down any. I find Watterson to be a little bit of an enigma to me. They actually lost 27-24 to 24 against 5-6 and six Columbus St. Francis de Sales back in Week 10. But if you remember back, I think, around the end of the season, I told people don't put too much stock in those Week 10 games. Weird things happen in Week 10 when playoff bursts have already been decided and that sort of thing. So me, I've been on the Toledo Central Catholic bandwagon since before the season started and, you know, if the ride's been going well for you, no reason to get off. I'm staying with Toledo Central Cat. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to have to differ here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Watterson, and I'm banking on the five Michigan teams that Toledo Central Catholic played as just not Ohio football competition. I, I think Michigan high school football is a little bit different than Ohio. So when you talk about them putting up 40 points per game, I think maybe – might have a little bit to do with some of that scheduling. So I'm going with Watterson here. All right. Getting a little bit of state-to-state rivalry here. Yeah, yeah I'm feeling, a, I'm feeling a little... Weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm wondering if that's a bit of a, a wash over from the... There, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to back Toledo myself. I don't want to disagree think? with the computers by 23 points. So I think I think they're pretty locked in there. Back to this weekend. Meanwhile, as good Cincinnati graduates, Rebecca and I were trying to find a way that both Ohio State and Michigan could lose that game. Hey, don't it's never don't it's lump me never happened that. yet. Not yet. <laughs> don't lump me in with that. I have to go to work in the morning. You don't. <laughs> that is glorious that I don't have to go to work anymore. Anyway. <laughs> Before we get on to the Division One game, I just wanted to throw a little something in there. I was updating my webpage this week, and I noticed, if you remember on our preview show, I mentioned I had a mathematical prediction or projection of where teams would finish in the computer points at the end of the season. I decided sure. to actually take a look at it for a change and see how it did. <laughs> Compare how the numbers did? Exactly. It turned out 12 of the 28 teams that I picked to win the region, that I didn't pick, that the mathematical bottle projected to have the most computer points in their region, made it to state semifinal games, won their regional title. So, hey, that's not too bad. That's actually better than I was figuring it would be. So, Hmm. 
So we have something to do next year at the preview show, Rebecca. We can actually point to that and say, hey, maybe this is worth paying attention to. Sure. Yeah, we should actually look back at our numbers from time to time. See how well they did. Well, me, yeah, <laughs> I was a little afraid to. I was afraid of how bad they might be. But it turned out we were good this year. So, <laughs> How are we supposed to establish credibility if we never say how we did? <laughs> well, hey, that's how numbers people do things. When they're in your favor, you trumpet them. And when they're not, you kind of shove them under the rug a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on to the marquee matchup, the Friday night 7.30 p.m. game. This used to always be played Saturday night, and then someone decided, hey, that's going up against the Big Ten championship game, which might have Ohio State in it. We should probably move this game to Friday night <laughs> and stick someone else like in Division Four or something like that in there. And so it was done. In this game, we have, well, one team that was been kind of favored to get here all year, Lakewood St. Edward, 13-1 and out of the Northeast. I was kind of thinking it'd be Moeller coming from the other direction, but no, it's that number 12 seed in their region, Springfield, 10 and 5. They were 12th out of, I think, only 19 teams in that region in the computer points at the end of the season. Interesting. 5 and 5 in the regular season, 5 and 0 oh in the playoffs. So I don't know what happened, but they turned it on somewhere in the regular season. So, of course, St. Edward has the huge computer point advantage. The computers love them too. Fantastic 50 likes St. Edward by 24. Cal Preps likes St. Edward by 18 points. St. Edward, the two-time defending state champion. They are 6-3 and all-time in title games. Springfield, for better or for worse, is the two-time defending state runner-up. They are 0-2 all-time in title games. This will be the third year in a row these two teams meet for the state championship. Ooh, okay. St. Edward's one loss was 15-13 to 13 to the Division II finalist Massillon in Week 5, but St. Edward was without their starting quarterback in that game. So maybe not such a bad loss after all. St. Edward beat the other two Division II finalists, Hoban, 14-7 to 7 in Week 10. We mentioned that earlier. St. Edward has actually struggled just a bit with Southwest Ohio teams. They beat 7-5 and five Elder, 34-33. to 33. And they beat 10 and 5 Moeller, 28 to 21. I don't know if you really count Springfield, Southwest Ohio, however. Same region, but not quite the same. They're not playing that Cincinnati leagues there. I mean, they're in like Dayton area. Yeah. At this rate, they're pretty much the same spot. That's true. Too much more, and that'll be one city, won't it? Sure feels like a drive it up and down I 75, at least. Sure does. Let's see. Springfield is actually. Three of their five playoff games, they only won by single digits. So you could either say that means they haven't been that much better or they know how to win the close ones. Depends on how you want to take that fact. If Springfield wins, they would be the lowest seed to ever win a state title. And I believe that is currently held by St. Henry, who won as an eight seed. And I don't even remember what year that was, but was that the first year they went to eight seeds per region? Probably pretty close, if I remember right. Was, yeah. Anyway, so St. Henry's got the record. So if you want St. Henry to keep the record, you're rooting for uh, Lakewood <laughs> St. Edward in this game. Sort of a negative stat here. Springfield, Hoban, and Kirtland all lost their last two state title games. Only two teams in history have lost three consecutive state title games. So these three teams all have a chance to join the list. Not exactly a club you want to join, although it's better than not getting there at all, I guess. 
there's a lot of teams would like to be at the state title game this weekend. Who am I picking in this? Who are you picking in this one? Oh, I'm definitely taking St. Ed's. They said Springfield got by last week, but I, I, <laughs> no, I, I just think St. Edwards had a lot tougher schedule and been playing a lot better, in my opinion. So, and they beat them the last two years. They seem to know what they're doing. I'm going to St. Edwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm following your lead on that. I think St. Edwards' schedule and the way they've been playing, as opposed to Springfield just getting by by single digits, I'm, I'm going to St. Ed. My head is agreeing with you with St. Ed's, but my heart says the underdog store is very, very, very good here. So I'm going to pick Springfield. I think they've got scrappiness. They're <clears throat> apply. All right. Also, you can't play them three years in a row and not learn. They've got to have something would, going on. You would think. Starting to feel Buffalo Bills-ish, you know? And Rebecca has no idea what I'm talking about there because sure it's don't. way before her time. <laughs> As a Cleveland uh, Browns fan, I'm I'm very very familiar with all that. Yes, <laughs> if I remember right, didn't the Buffalo Bills lose like four straight Super Bowls or something like that? Yeah. So they were a good team. They got there a lot. Yeah. Didn't win, unfortunately. Moving on to the Saturday games at 10 a.m. in the morning, we have the four-hour car drive for those faithful from Marion local. Yeah. Few of them might be in hotel rooms there the night before. I would I would make a slight wager on that. Uh Marion Local has 20% more computer points. The computer likes Marion Local by 24 points and 21 points. This is Dalton's first ever state championship game. Has to be a lot of excitement in Dalton. And I'll go through the quick list of Marion Locals. It gets dull after a while. The two-time defending state champ, won D6 last year, D7 the year before. 13 and three all time in title games. If they win this, it would be their 18th consecutive playoff victory, a new state record. And their 101 playoff wins is currently the all time most, 11 ahead of second place Coldwater with 90. Coach, how does Minster and Delphus ever win anything of Marion Local and Coldwater running around here? Uh, I'm feeling you. I feel the pain. Feel the pain. <laughs> you cross your fingers uh, and see. hope they're in a different division. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> every year, every year. <laughs> uh, Dalton has never faced a MAC team in the playoffs before, but they did play Kirtland to a fourteen to seven loss in Week One, which was very impressive. They won twelve of their games by twenty points or more this year, so they've they've rolled a lot of people. And my my final Marion local stat, over their five playoff games, they have won by a total score of 250 to 7. I'm picking Marion local. <laughs> I don't know. As yeah, you, you said, got... I, I, I bet Dalton there is a, a lot of excitement right up to the point where they look at the bracket and they say Marion local across from So uh, Marion local, big. Yeah, that's that's not even a fight on my side. I'm picking them too. <laughs> nope. And we'll do a quick aside here, Coach. I forget the year. You might remember this. I went to the state championships, ran into a friend of mine from Steubenville with his dad. Some people from the J.J. Huddle days may remember Buckeye Bill from Steubenville was the father. Okay. And we were we were traveling from whatever the game we were at last to the Delphi St. John Steubenville Central Catholic state title game. And the son came up to me and he said, Bruce, tell dad, would you? And dad's looking all confused. And I said, tell him what? He said, 
the Steubenville Central Catholic have a chance in this game? And I just said, no. <laughs> and and it was over before the first quarter was over. It was yeah. I don't remember what year that was, but it was a I believe that was 2005. I think as our 2005. 2005. Yeah. One of my state championship weekend highlights that time. So <laughs> I used to sit with a lot of coaches and you'd get a game like that and they'd be sitting in the stands and at the middle of the second quarter you'd see them say what do you say we get a steak dinner before the next game? And they'd get up and head out of the stadium so they could go get a good <laughs> meal before the next game. <laughs> and that, I think this Marion local there, Dalton yeah. game has that potential. We hope not. It has the potential. All right. We're going to take a quick break for our team of the week this week. Have any ideas, Rebecca? Uh, I do, but I've read the script, so I would oh, be spoiling. Okay. That's no, you read the script. Oh, you're ruining the whole show, it's Rebecca. It's the next line. <laughs> Uh, we decided to give it to Liberty Center, <laughs> partly because we were just there at Liberty Center a couple weeks ago. We, we mostly, liked them a lot. We liked them a lot, but mostly they had a good game. They were playing Valley View, trailed three to nothing at halftime. They came back to earn a fourteen to ten win. Um, Liberty Center had an eighty-yard drive to start the second half. So once again, a nice halftime adjustment. It seems like to take a 7-3 to three lead. But just when they're feeling good, Valley View returns a kickoff 80 yards for a touchdown. That just has to take the wind right out of it. You did all that work at halftime. You fixed things. You scored, and the other team takes it right back on one play. I see Coach nodding his head there like, yeah, he's felt that one before, huh? <laughs> yep, been there. <laughs> Liberty Center eventually put in the winning score after forcing a fumble that they recovered on the Valley View one-yard line. So they had the big one-yard touchdown drive for the win. Those are the best kind of drives. One yard, you can handle that one. So for that you like big those. defensive play and tight win, we're going to make Liberty Center our team of the week this week. <clears throat> hey, and look at that. What do you I know? Liberty Center plays the next game. What's the odds? <laughs> <laughs> your, your team of the week. I, I would have to agree with that on uh, Liberty Center. Got a chance to see them live and – uh, they they got some dudes. They got some studs. Yep, that's what we've been hearing all year. I have not seen well, other than on television. I have seen them on television several times. They look awfully good, I tell you. But we'll see how good Saturday at 3 p.m. in the Division Five State Championship game, as two undefeated teams, 15 and 0 Perry takes on 15 and 0 Liberty Center. Perry has eight percent more computer points. Both computers like Liberty Center to win this game by one point. Yeah, I kind of thought this would be sure. a too close one. I didn't think it was going to be that close, but ooh, that's. <laughs> I was surprised to find out Perry has never been in a state championship game. Liberty Center is one and two all time in title games, but the last one was in 1998, which also surprised me. Uh, Perry's been on my radar since week three when they defeated Kirtland 24 to six, and that's no small feat there. Last week, they beat Harvest Prep by 14 points. That was their closest win at the playoffs. All their other games were by more than that. Liberty Center won their last two games by 10 points over Coldwater and four points over Valley View. So they've had tighter games along the way. Again, take your pick. Are they more tested or not quite as good? Or had tougher opponents? We never really know, to be honest. This one kind of pains me. I've been loving myself some Liberty Center all season long, but I'm feeling Perry in this one. I've got Perry with the win this week. 
Sorry, Liberty Center fans. I apologize, but that win over Kirtland just impresses me so darn much. I, I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to go with Liberty Center. Uh, like I said, got to see them live, and I was impressed with their defense. Um, and that was against Oak Harbor that I saw them hold them down to, I think, seven points. And then the next week, they turn around and uh, hold Coldwater under 200 yards of total offense. So I think that's saying a little bit about them. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with their defense. So hopefully it's going to be a low-scoring game and their defense keeps uh, Liberty Center in the game. Yep, they've got the defense, that's for sure. I've been a little worried about the points they've been putting up on offense these last few weeks, but we shall see. I agree. It feels like a low-scoring game, though. Yep. Stick with Liberty Center on pure loyalty. Follow them <laughs> to the end. Okay. And that brings us to our wrap-up game of the state championship series. I'll ask Todd here, as Cincinnati fans, Rebecca and I don't know, I'm assuming the Big Ten game is at night, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that means the poor high school game that goes up against the Big Ten <laughs> championship game is Division Four, and in that we have twelve and one Cleveland Glenville facing twelve and three Kettering Archbishop Alter. My computer points has Glenville as having one percent more, so basically even. The Fantastic Fifty likes Glenville by six points. Cal Preps likes Glenville by four. Glenville's a defending state champion. They are one and two all-time in state title games. Alter is two and three all-time in state title games. Their coach, Coach Domsitz, is 72 years old and in his 49th year as a head coach. 30 years at Alter. Coach Schulte, can we expect 49 years out of you in the job? I'm going to say no. Yeah, no. <laughs> you started at 23. And you can't see the video, but the head was shaking long before the word no came out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. What I don't was know that, if many schools hire a head coach that young anymore. Probably Started not. Started at 23. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. wow. So back to the back to the game. Glenville lost to uh, Archbishop Hoban, who's in the D2 title game, 28 to 16 earlier in the season. Unofficially, they also lost to the IMG Academy out of Florida, 28 to 6 in week five. I say unofficially because that game does not count in the computer points. The Ohio High School Athletic Association does not recognize them as a legal high school team, so to speak. That's basically a nationwide all-star team. So no, no embarrassment losing to them. Alter lost 24-21 to 5 and 6 Fairmont in week 1. That is a big rivalry game by the way, down that and down Kettering way. They lost 35 to 27 to Trotwood Madison in week 4, and they lost to Hamilton Baden 29-24 in week 8. Hamilton Baden ended up 13 and 1 undefeated until they lost in the fourth round of the playoffs. But as we mentioned earlier, Alter least in my opinion, surprisingly dominated Steubenville 48 to nothing last week. That one just totally blew me away when, as I saw those scores coming in, yeah, which makes this one that much harder. So this is one of my upset picks. I'm going with Alter on this. one. I think they had some struggles early, but their schedule looks like they kept getting better as the season went on. Boy, Glenville's got, I forget, I've seen a list, something like five or six D1 college athletes on that team. They are loaded, so but yep. I'm st I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the uh, sneaky old coach there, the 72 year old coach that knows all the tricks. 
There you go. Yeah, I'm going with Glenville just for that fact of what you just said. They've they've got a, a load of talent there, and I'm just thinking maybe their schedule is probably a little bit tougher. You know, they played Hoban. You go if you go play ING Academy, you must think you got some some pretty special guys on your team, and you know that score 28 to six sealed the deal for me. So I got Glenville. Yeah, I can't argue with it, but. I guess I did, but anyway. You did. You sure did. (laughs) I think I'm also going to go Glenville because I'm not sure either way, so I'm going to pick the computer. And Glenville's a little bit of a controversial team around the state, and I don't know if they deserve to be or not. I don't know all the details, but there is – do you remember our old competitive balance numbers from the beginning of the year? Glenville's competitive balance number is zero. Officially, they have no transfers mm. whatsoever on that team. They say they kind of, yeah. but <laughs> I don't, that, that doesn't seem possible, but anyway, it seems like it's a greater Cleveland All Star team, but they say no, it's not. So, okay. Awesome. State must know, right? Yeah. Hey, they must. That per- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's all seven games. That pretty much wraps up our preview of the state championships. Do you have any other insights to add there, coach? Oh, I just think another probably great, exciting weekend of a lot of good football. I mean, you think about Ohio, maybe a little biased, but Ohio high school football is pretty, pretty darn special. And best of luck to our our two league teams as well, Marion Local and Versailles. Hopefully they bring home a couple more state championships to the to the league. We'll throw in Liberty Center as another team from our West Central Ohio coverage area, Rebecca. Bring home three this weekend, huh? Yeah, that'd be good to do. We would love that. So anyway, we will be back sometime after the state championship game. Uh, We have not scheduled it yet because we have no deadline with no games afterwards. So we're going to take our time, find ourselves a good guest and do that one right. Or as right as we can do it, huh, Rebecca? (laughs) We'll have fun with it either way. Yes, we will. So one last time before the season ends, you want to tell people how to get a hold of us, Rebecca? Sure. This is your last shot before we go dormant for for, six months until July. Um, If you have any comments or questions, you can send them to us at bdo.net in an email, or you can submit them to us on Twitter to at Bruce Monin. There you go. And if you like what you hear here, from what I gather, most people just wait till I put the link out on social media and click on it there. That's fine, but you ought to just subscribe to us. Then you don't have to count on me, you know, and it'll just come automatically to your phone or whatever device you use for your podcasting pleasure. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or iHeartRadio. And coming soon, during the off-season, we research Spotify, maybe there too. And once again, one last thanks to our guest, Coach Schulte. And as always, be sure to tune in again next week or approximately thereafter on Bruce Bonin's Computer Points. (laughs) So long, everyone.